Elder abuse is the verbal, physical, emotional, sexual, or financial abuse of a senior citizen. If you feel that you're a victim of elder abuse or believe it's been inflicted upon someone you know, please call the Wisconsin Elder Abuse Hotline at 1-833-586-0107 or visit reportelderabusewi.org. The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Ladies and gentlemen, celebrating five years as a podcaster, introducing Nate the Great! I'm a gentlemen welcome to this special edition of the game changer podcast i am indeed your host tonight the man who runs the camp that is wrestle radio nate the effing great doing it solo tonight mr fretz has the week off fretz hopefully you are enjoying a wonderful well-deserved vacation my friend looking forward to hearing hearing from you as well as seeing you next week on the show so with that being said what is on tap for tonight ladies and gentlemen what exactly am I going to be doing tonight to make up for the lack of that oh, Canadian wonder as well as what can I do to make this a game-changing episode? Well, to be honest, Mr. Fred did give me the assignment of covering a couple shows in which it was NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool as well as NXT TakeOver UK uh, Blackpool 2. Now, I can definitely say that I will be reviewing NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool, but unfortunately I did not get the chance to watch NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool 2. So, I will be doing something that will be a bit of a, a way to make up for that. But, it's only fair that we are going to continue talking about some great great international shows and this will be the final episode going into the new month October guys we are going to be actually having a bit of a spectacular of sorts so definitely tune in for that oh excuse me and let's not waste any time let's talk about NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool I've never actually seen this show in its entirety. I've heard good things about it. I've heard nothing but just majestic wonder about it. And there's a couple matches on here that definitely do make it an absolutely amazing, amazing show. As well as a huge, huge debut that took place on this show. So, we're going to not waste any time. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get into talking about... NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool, which took place on January 12, 2019, and Blackpool, oh man, I'm hoping that I can, Lancashire, England, at the Empress Ballroom, right then and there, just that that phrase, Empress Ballroom, it's a thing of beauty, I love it, it's just a beautiful ballroom, it's a beautiful design, 
and it's something that's very fitting for NXT UK TakeOver. We actually had a couple of the dark matches on here, which featured Ligero defeating Saxon Huxley, uh, Marcel Barthel, and Fabian Eichner defeating Mark Andrews, as, and Flash Morgan Webster, as well as Ginny defeating Is Isla Dawn. So, let's actually go right into talking about this event. We actually kicked off with a beautiful promo in which they talked about the early beginnings of the UK brand going from the tournament to the classic matches between Tyler Bray and Pete Dunne and just absolute majesty and majestic deal that just really came to this NXT UK TakeOver event. Just an absolutely wonderful promo. Definitely one of my favorites. The commentary team was Vic Joseph as well as Nigel McGuinness. I will say this about these two. They are honestly not the best commentary team, but at the same time, they definitely do complement and make the matches just absolutely wonderful. They really do. It's not one of those things where I felt annoyed by them. It's not one of those things where I'll look back and say, like, oh, man, they had some of the greatest calls of all time. No, they had the right amount of energy, the right reactions. They created a different atmosphere for NXT UK, and in all honesty, I'm very happy to see that. We kicked off the first matchup with Mustache Mountain taking on the Grizzly Young Veterans, although they would not be called that at this time, but it is kind of the early dawns of it, and it's for the first ever inaugural NXT UK Tag Team Championship. The winner of this matchup would be the first ever champion, and they will never have that taken away from them. Mustache Mountain, Tyler Bate, and Trent Seven, absolutely loved by the crowd. And they also had a little bit of a British Bulldog design on their tights. It was honestly one of those deals that I absolutely loved. And it's not the only time that they were going to be doing a tribute to the British Bulldogs. I will say this, the tag team belt designs, I absolutely love. They're absolutely beautiful, gorgeous, just absolutely wonderful. Uh, there's this random point where the crowd just holds up one of their shoes in the air and they start chanting about that, something about the shoes off, something like It's really interesting, but uh, it's, it's really weird to say that say the least. Uh, I definitely do think that the UK crowd definitely were ready to go. They were ready to just make this event absolutely special, and they did. So anybody that's in Blackpool, anybody that took place at, that really contributed to the NXT UK TakeOver shows, keep up the amazing work. Uh, we actually get some great uh, chain wrestling to start off this, where uh, Drake and Bates are just absolutely taking it to each other. Uh, Drake gets a tag, tag, but Tyler Bate does a really good moment where he sees the tag, and he was very smart to get to the outside and get to his corner safely. Just, gosh, Tyler Bate's absolutely amazing. Uh, he would tag in Trent Seven, who would get some good offense until Gibson stops this whole deal. Uh, we get a nice uh, back butt. Oh my gosh, this tag team maneuver was actually really nice. It was a uh, pendulum backbreaker and plancha 
uh, on seven uh, to the outside. This was just one of those moves that I don't really get the chance to see. And I absolutely love this. Then we see a bit of a ripcord uh, into an elbow combo by the Grizzly Young Veterans. The problem was that the elbow shot to Seven's head busts him open. It was a bit of a brutal spot, to say the least. Uh, There's a beautiful counter to try and get that tag to uh, Tyler Bate. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, the tag was made, but Seven stops Drake from getting in only to get thrown out to the outside. Just just these guys are just absolutely getting an absolutely wonderful deal. Seven finally gets the tag to Bate. He comes in like a house of fire. We see an airplane spin, but then Bate's just like, you know what? I'm gonna show my I'm gonna show my you know strength. He grabs both of the guys and he picks them up for a double airplane spin. Oh my god, just oh Tyler Bray, you can do no wrong with me. Just continue doing more and more absolutely amazing deals. Uh, we see him hit an exploder suplex and then hitting a shooting star. But it's just Tyler Bray, just, oh my gosh, just continue this. Oh my goodness. Um, then we see a power slam headbutt combo by the Mustache Mountain that would only get them a near two count. Loved that tribute to the Bulldogs, just absolutely great. Uh, Tyler Brate's able to hit a suicide drive. Uh, seven hits the Omega Driver, as I like to call it. It's the, I think it's kind of like a reverse Death Valley Driver, if I'm not mistaken. But that pin gets broken up. Tyler Bate and Drake, they get a couple of uh, pin exchanges in here. Bate would hit his helo move, as well as hit a tor- corner drop kick. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, we see a Brain Busta and 450 by the Vets for a very near two count. Uh, seven locks locks the uh, locks them into a Gates lock. A lo- oh, Seven, I'm sorry. Seven gets locked into a submission maneuver and looks like he's just going to tap out. Uh, Bait, it looks like he's going to get uh, locked into the submission maneuver as well. It looks like we were going to get that uh, revival moment where Gargano and Ciampa have them both in submission maneuvers and they tap out, but Bate is able to pick up and hit a rolling Death Valley driver. They just absolutely, oh, just continue to make this amazing. Mustache Mountain hit a clothesline dragon suplex combo. Ooh, love that. We get a, oh my gosh, this just got me in awe as well as just made me look at this and think, wow, this is a bit of a risky spot. They hit what I call the suicide device, which is basically, they have Trent uh, Tyler Bates on his on their shoulders, and I believe it was Gibson, he came and hit a suicide dive on Tyler Bates, and you know how they do the doomsday device, where it's a clothesline, where the guy who's doing the electric chair, kind of flips him up and he goes backwards like that. That was kind of what they did to Tyler Bate here. Uh, Seven tries to go for a suicide dive, but gets met with a drop kick, gets thrown back in the ring, and hit but with a ticket to mayhem, which is basically the uh, tombstone pile driver position, but then Seven gets thrown up and gets hit with a code breaker for the victory. The Grizzle Young veterans win 
the matchup, and they win the first. Ta- they are the first tag team champions of NXT UK. This was an absolutely amazing matchup to start off the night. This just showcased tag team wrestling at its best. Honestly, I would dare say that the tag team divisions between NXT as well as NXT UK just were on par, and these were just one of the. This was just one of those matches that were just proving that. You have this. You have you know the Gargano, Champa, and Revival matchup, which probably happened about maybe. Oh gosh, actually that ha- happened probably a couple of years before. Now that I think about it, man, has it really been that long? That's insane now that I think about it. But this matchup was just absolutely great, and I just think that these two teams definitely deserve so much more. We see a backstage deal where Pete Dunne is just getting ready uh, as this is being recorded. (sighs) Excuse me. As the event was being recorded, he was 603 days as the champion which superseded so many people, including CM Punk, AJ Styles, and Brock Lesnar as the longest reign in the modern era as champion. That just, it was great. Um, We were supposed to get the next matchup, which was supposed to be Jordan Devlin versus Travis Banks, but Devlin attacks Banks in a hotel, and to be honest, we see a couple of the security guys kind of roaming around, it's like they kind of knew this was going to happen. Really, really interesting, to say the least. Man, getting a little tired here. Um, Banks and Devlin, they just beat each other down before the matchup even starts. Uh, Devlin wrecks Banks's knee, taking him specifically out of the matchup. Devlin is just basically sit, saying, I'm here to fight, I'm here to win, and I am ready, ready to go. But... NXT UK management, they had a backup plan in case Devlin was going to do something like that. And their backup plan was the first ever Universal Champion, Finn Balor. Oh, did this roof explode when they heard Finn Balor's music. When when he came out, this was just good. This was good. So, matchup has been changed. It's Jordan Devlin versus Finn Balor. I basically call this the best of the Irishmen, and it did not disappoint. This was by far my favorite matchup of the entire event. As much as the... There's a couple other matches that just really are absolutely great. This one stood out to me as just the best. We got strikes from these guys to start, and I'm going to say this right now, the reason why I love this matchup is because it just hit everything to a T, because you really rarely saw any kind of wrestling holds being applied here. This was just two Irishmen going out there and just kicking everybody's ass. It just, it was great. We see like the strikes, like I said, to start off, Finn Balor hits a sling blade early, he goes for the coup de gras, but... Devlin's just like, yep, no, not going to happen. Balor tries to get back into the ring, and Devlin is able to hit the rope low blow, which takes a little bit out of Finn Balor, to say the least. We get a double foot stomp by Devlin, 
which is basically saying like, yeah, screw, yep, screw you, man, screw, screw you. Uh, Finn Balor is able to hit a sunset flip drop kick, and then that apron kick that he does, just field goal, boo, just absolutely great. Uh, Devlin with a kick knocking Finn Balor to the outside, and Balor is just able to beat that countout. We see a strike fest between these two guys again. Devlin is able to hit a Uranagi and then a Moonsault for a two count. Oh, this was just, this was great. Uh, we see Devlin locking in abdominal stretch to Finn Balor. It only lasted for like about five seconds until Balor just decides, you know what, I'm going to show you how a stretch really goes. He does an abdominal stretch, but Finn Balor, he actually just takes his elbow and he's just wrenching on the ribs, which you can already tell, that's going to just be, that's going to be a pain. Um... Balor, he's going for the reverse 1916, but Devlin is able to kick him in the face to reverse it. Balor gets his second wind and hits a foot stomp, hits that reverse. Well, actually, no, he goes for the 1916 attempt, but Devlin's able to kick him in the face. Oh, gosh, I love this moment. Um, Balor is able to fight, fight him off, hits a final cut on... Devlin, and then he hits the reverse 1916 for a near two count. Balor goes for that dropkick, but Devlin's able to counter with strikes and that Saito suplex. Oh, just just great. For the second, for the second or third time I've had, it's a strike fest between the two of them. Uh, Balor just kicks Devlin, Devlin's head off. Oh, gosh. Uh, Devlin, he stops the stomp. He throws Balor into the bow, so he tries to go for the win with the with with uh, help from the ropes, but nope, he's not able to. Balor is able to counter a moonsault. He hits the 1916. He hits that Shogun suplex. Coup de gras for the victory, for the win. Just a masterpiece of a matchup. Like I said, this by far was my favorite matchup of the entire night. I love the storytelling between these two. They just were there to take names, kick ass, and just basically try to take each other's heads off. Oh my gosh, everything from these two just screams, I want more. And to be honest, if they were to actually create a new faction, Devlin and Balor would be in that deal. Just let, just call them like the Angry Irishman or something like that. Just do something great. Just do something great with that. I would love to see them as a tag team. I would love to see them maybe even get more Irishmen in as a faction. Maybe they could have Sheamus? Hmm. Would that make it? I mean, he could, I mean, Sheamus could kind of be like the manager as well as the heavy for them. I think it could work, but that's just me. There's just so much that they could do with that. Basically, I just want Devlin and Balor to team up as well as face off against each other. I want them to fight forever and a day. Great matchup. Next up, we have a no disqualification matchup that featured any Dennis taking on Bomber Dave Mastiff. Now, when I looked at this matchup, I thought to myself, this kind of is going to be an interesting matchup because you have these two big guys and they are just looking to possibly just wreck each other, to say the least. And the intense promo that they had were basically uh, Mastiff ended the undefeated streak of Eddie Dennis 
Eddie Dennis is just like, no, I don't accept that. I know I can beat this guy. So this is kind of where it boils down to. <sighs> Excuse me. And it builds up to this no disqualification matchup here. Uh, we get a nice running crossbody by Mastiff to start off. Then they decide, hey, let's get the ring steps into the deal, into the ring. They do, they get that set up, but Dennis hits a few kendo shots to Massive and even does the Sandman's White Russian leg sweep, which was just, it's always a st stiff deal. Uh, Dennis is looking to hit him again, but Massive grabs the stick from him, and then, boom, just starts going crazy on him. A huge power bomb by Massive. Uh, oh, God, this... This was crazy. It looked like Massive was going to go for another crossbody, but oh no, 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 no. Uh, Dennis picks up Mastiff, and you see his legs kind of buckle a bit. I'm thinking, oh no, he's going to hurt himself, but he's able to strengthen up. He hits a catatonic backbreaker onto the steps. Just oh, that was just great. Uh, a rolling fireman's carry by Mastiff. And then we see, oh my gosh, this, whoo, this just shocked the hell out of me. So, it looks like Massive is going to go for like a Vader bomb of some sort, but Dennis stops him. He grabs the arms of Massive, he picks him up, and he does a crucifix bomb to Massive, which I'm literally looking at this like, there's no way in hell he's going to hold him up that long. He holds him up at least for about, like, almost 10 seconds, I want to say. This was just freakish strength by Eddie Dennis. He hits that crucifix bomb, gets a close two count, but then they think, you know what, it's time for tables. So they do that, but Mastiff sits on Dennis to stop his momentum. We get a German suplex attempt on the outside, but a RFC, oh my gosh. Oh, Rolling Fireman's Carry. There we go. <laughs> but, uh... Oh, no, no, no. Now I, now I remember. Uh, we see Eddie Dennis tries to go for a German suplex on the outside, but Massive is able to counter to a Rolling Fireman's Carry and then hits his senton. It just... Oh, that was just a brutal spot. Uh, Dennis would hit the next stop driver for a close two, two count, but... The finish would come with Mastiff hitting a German suplex and then a heel on Dennis into the table for the victory. Bomber Dave Mastiff picks up the win. This was a very intense matchup. And to be honest, for me not knowing too much about these two men, I was very impressed with what I saw. They definitely were not going to be wowing anybody with, you know, flips and stuff like that. No, they... They knew that they had to basically go out there and put on one hell of a fight, and they did. Oh my god, that just, just makes me so happy seeing that. It's one of those things where it just proves to you that you don't need to have a championship involved. You don't need to have that kind of feeling to it. You just need to have good storytelling as well as a proper result and a proper blow-off, where these two guys will both look strong going over, and they'll be able to just kill it. Which they did. They did an amazing job. So, to be honest, this was probably third, 
favorite match? Uh, I don't know. This was definitely one of the higher ups as well because I loved, like I said, the in-ring psychology, the storytelling, everything that went into this matchup just made it absolutely amazing. Now we get into, in all honesty, my least favorite matchup of the nights, and I'll explain why. It's the NXT UK Women's Championship, Tony Storm versus Rhea Ripley. Now, I want you to bear in mind something that the promo beforehand made this just absolutely great because it told the story of Tony Storm with her basically just scratching and clawing to get to the point where she is at right now. They mentioned her victory at the Mae Young Classic and how she got to choose whatever champion she wanted, and she chose Rhea Ripley's uh, UK Women's Championship. That was something that I really liked. I really enjoyed that. And then we see you know, highlights of their first matchup where Rhea Ripley won the women's title. We see Rhea basically saying, I'm going to tear Tony apart. Just absolutely great. Going into the matchup, I did have expectations, and maybe that was my fault, but at the same time, well, l- let me talk about the matchup, and then we'll, then I'll kind of go a little more into it. So, we kick off with some nice back and forth between Rhea and Tony until Rhea uses the ropes, and she kicks Tony off of the apron. Rhea, throughout this matchup, is focusing on Tony's back with just maneuver after maneuver. We get a nice little deal here where we see them doing that Japanese style where they're doing like the stri- you know, striking each other. And then there's that one moment where they both just strike each other like crazy to really pump up the crowd. I always love that spot. Um, we see a German suplex by Tony Storm. Both of them try to go for the finishers where Tony's trying to go for the Storm Zero. Rhea's trying to go for the Riptide, but nope, neither one of them can hit it. Rhea's able to lock in the inverted uh, Texas Cloverleaf, which I can definitely tell you that that's one of those moves that's just, it's tough on your legs. I will tell you that right now. You have to have a really good upper body strength to try and get out of that maneuver. Uh, But Storm is able to counter into the ankle lock. We see a hip attack followed by a bridging suplex by Storm for a two count. Rhea Ripley hits the riptide for two. Rhea decides to pick up Tony, hits one, two clotheslines, and it looks like we're going to see a third one, but Storm hits a headbutt, and then a Storm Zero for the count of two. We see another Riptide attempt by Rhea that gets countered into the Storm Zero for the three count. Tony Storm picks up the victory. So, here's the thing about this matchup, is that something felt off about this matchup. Now, I don't know if it was the pacing or if there was maybe a spot or two that was missing. They're just... I think it was about the point that the finishers came into play that I started feeling like this matchup was losing its gusto. And maybe I just need to watch, you know, the first matchup between Tony and Rhea for the title. And maybe I'll, you know, have a second opinion on this matchup. But at where it stands right now... I'm not 100% into this matchup. And not to say that these women are horrible. No, they are absolutely phenomenal wrestlers. It's just that this matchup here, something felt off to me. 
I don't know, like I said, if it was the pacing or if it was just where things were set up. It just, something just did not click this night. It felt like one of those things where maybe it was the crowd, maybe it was a situation where, like I said, timing was just off. Something just did not click for me in this matchup. But Tony Storm picked the victory here. She became the second ever uh, UK Women's Champion, which was awesome. Then we go on to the main event, which we have Pete Dunne versus Joe Coffey. Coffey's story in this matchup is literally him being very bitter about the fact that he was not exactly involved in the first ever championship matchup to crown the first ever UK champion. He also shows this ruthless side where he is just looking to just absolutely, you know, just tick off. He wants that title by any means necessary. So, we get to the matchup here. We start with a bit of uh, chain wrestling as well as Pete Dunne doing his deal where he wants to basically wreck the fingers of his opponent, but he's able to get into a regal stretch. Love this. Thought it was actually really great. There's a lot of moments where we see Pete Dunne is just focusing on the arm. Looks like he's trying to do like a Kimura lock or he's trying to get to the fingers. Coffee with, uh, coffee with this very nice uh, suplex attempt, but Dunne is just kicking him and kicking him, just kneeing him in the head until he's able to get into that like Kimura lock position again until Coffee is able to hit the headlock suplex. Uh, Pete Dunne gets thrown out of the ring, and he, it looked like his head hit the apron. It was one of those spots where I was like, ooh, that's that's a bit rough. Uh, it looks like Dunn is going to get thrown into the steps, but he does a deal like Daniel Bryan where he just jumps up, flips, and then he's able to hit an insiguri, looks to try and take down uh, Coffee uh, again, but he gets met with a pop-up power slam onto the ramp. Ooh, that was just brutal. Uh, Coffee is just whipping Dunn into the corner over and over and over again. Then he hits a pendulum backbreaker into a sidewalk slam for a near two count. Coffee looks to finish him off with a bear hug, but then Dunn does this moment where I, I kid you not, is literally a moment. I think it looks like he was supposed to like break his nose or something like that, but the way that he had it, it was just one of those situations where I'm just like, got your nose. It's like, done, you're doing that in the middle of a match. Come on, man. But Coffee's able to hit a belly-to-belly suplex to fight off that. Uh, Dunn keeps fighting back with strikes, and he does his flip insecurity combo again. He counters a German suplex into a roundhouse kick, and then he hits a moonsault to the outside, hits an X-plex into the ring for a near two-count. Just just that sequence alone was just great. And this matchup itself had so many sequences that just made it absolutely amazing. Uh, I, I, I should you not, like two minutes late, about two minutes later, we get done going for the flip again, but Coffee does his second rope, third rope, leaping cross body, and then he hits a couple splashes in the corner, hits a power bomb on Dunn for a near two count. And then we get to a spot where I was a little bit hesitant. I was actually a little bit scared about this moment, but they pulled this off really well. So Coffee picks up Pete Dunn into what looks like it's going to be a pile driver position. 
And as he has him up in that pile driver position, he's slowly grabbing the ankles of Pete Dunne, and he transitions it into a Boston Crab. That just, oh my god, that that was just great. I was surprised at this whole deal, but I was also worried that, you know, maybe Pete Dunne will slip, he might actually break his neck or something like that. But it takes a lot of trust, and it takes a lot of practice just to make that move look as good as it did. Uh, as Coffee has the Boston Crab locked in, Dunn is just getting kicked in the back of the head by Coffee. He gets that maneuver locked in again. It looks like Pete Dunn is knocked out, but he's able to reach the ropes, get the break, uh, and then he's able to get a... We were able to get like a deal where these guys, instead of doing like strikes to each other, like... The Jap- the Japanese style, they're doing headbutts to each other. Now, if you might remember that a lot of people will recall that Daniel Bryan had to be out for at least over a year. Two years, I believe. Three? Three years because of a headbutt. These guys are literally just butting each other's heads like it's nothing. It just drives me insane to see that. But very happy to see that these guys are just not, you know, are not you know, get, they're, they're not getting any uh, concussions from this. It just was one of those things where it's like, this is just insanity. Uh, Dunn hits the German suplex, but Coffee's able to just get right up. He He's met with a flatliner into the Koji clutch. Uh, Coffee's able to transition it well, but he's able to transition out of this very well. But Dunn is able to lock in the ankle lock. Coffee hits a suplex. Oh, gosh, just keep this up. Fight forever. Oh, man. Uh, oh, gosh. Now we get another one. Uh, oh, my gosh. This one. This spot here. This chain of events. So, Co- so Coffee, he uh, he charges. Looks like he's going to go for like a spear of some kind. But he's met with a knee. Pete Dunn looks to hit the bitter end. But... He get but he gets it gets reversed. Coffee goes for a lariat attempt, but then tries again for the crossbody. He meets a Pete Dunn elbow. The bitter end. One, two. Coffee kicks out. Are you freaking kidding me? Oh, jeez, just, mm, just. Oh my gosh, absolutely insane. Um, we see. Oh my gosh. And then we go into another one. Uh, Pete Dunn, he looks to go for a moonsault attempt to the outside again, but Coffee's just like, you know what? Not not, not going to happen. So he grabs Pete Dunn. Looks like he's going to German suplex him onto the apron, but he gets uh, put away. Uh, we see a nice little like Spike Dudley head to the gut deal by on uh, Pete Dunn, and then Coffee hits a power bomb on the apron. My God, just oh, this matchup just keeps getting better. We get some back and forth strikes back in the ring. We see Coffee uh, with the elbow. Dunn is able to get into an armbar, but Coffee is able to stop stop that from even happening by picking him up, gets him to the top rope, and then we see. Coffee hit this variation of a power bomb from that top rope, where they just literally. But he's able to twist his bot, twist Pete Dunn from that top rope apron to the other side of the ring. Just oh, 
it's a very unique spot. Uh, we get that strike off again. Coffey gets that electric chair up, and then he's able to drop him down. German suplex, one, two, nope, not enough. Coffey's thinking, okay, you know what? Let's try this. Coffey picks up Dunn, goes for the bitter end, but eats a DDT, and then gets hit with a second bitter end by Pete Dunn, but Pete Dunn is unfortunately unable to capitalize on that. Coffey's able to get into the ropes to to make sure that he doesn't get pinned. Coffey hits a discus close, discus lariat. Uh, we see a clothesline to the outside and a slam by Coffey for a two. Uh, there's a couple spots where they both fall. Uh, one point, Coffey falls to the outside and Dunn falls in the ring. Then they fight each other again. They both fall to the outside. Just <sighs> scary spots. Um, Dunn hits a discus close a discus elbow to the face of Coffee for the bitter end. One, two, Coffee kicks out, but Dunn just is like, nope, we're going to put you in a triangle hold. Then I'm going to get you in a position where he just wrecks the fingers of Coffee. Coffee just decides, you know what, I've had enough. Taps out. Dunn retains the match. This was quite possibly one of the most physical championship matches I've seen in a long time. This was very well done. I love the fact that these guys told an amazing story about how much this championship meant to them. They just killed each other for it. And it showcased Pete Dunne at quite possibly his best. He's one of those guys who can go out there and just shine with anybody. Throughout the match, they mentioned a lot of matches that he had with people like uh, Roderick Strong, Ricochet, Adam Cole, uh, I think, I think Johnny Gargano, just a whole bunch of people that really just were not only made bigger stars by him, but showed what kind of star Pete Dunne is. It was just absolutely amazing. And we get that final image and the logo of Pete Dunne with the championship in his mouth, he, the bruiser rate has retained. Everything is fine and dandy until. And we look to the stage. There is Walter. He makes his debut. XT UK takeover. Oh, what a moment. That was just great, just seeing the stare down between the two of them. And for me to find out that they are going to battle NXT TakeOver New York. Where myself, Will Terrett, Shaw, we got that chance to watch it. <sighs> Along with so many other people. Just, oh. Mamma mia, was that such a good match. That was great. Oh, it was great. I frankly enjoyed this show. This was really good. Like I said, the only gripe I had was the women's title matchup. Other than that, top to bottom, only five matches on this entire show for about a two and a half hour show. It's absolutely insane. I think that they went a little excessive with the finisher deal in the main event, but that's just me. So, ladies and gentlemen, going to take a little quick commercial break, and then when I come back, going to be enjoying some more talk about wrestling. So stay tuned. 
Be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Coda Jacobs, the crusader and visionary behind a brighter future in wrestling. If you're an honorable and noble public servant like myself, you are listening to the Game Changer Podcast. So, you're going through your closet, trying to figure out your outfit for the day. You're looking, you're looking, and that's when you realize, in that moment, you have absolutely nothing to wear. Well, you can always make sure you have fresh threads every single day of the week if you head over to our Wrestle Addict What's Radio Teespring stores. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Your favorite professional wrestling podcasters have their own separate Teespring stores to complete your outfits from top to bottom. Looking for an accessory to carry around your cell phone and wallet? Why not pick up a fanny pack from the HBIC collection? Looking for something to keep you warm during the fall and winter months ahead? Get yourself a hoodie from the Delight collection or a fleece blanket from the King Ricky Rosé collection. Trying to pick up a last-minute gift or maybe just a birthday gift for the little one? Pick up a onesie from the Game Changer Collection or a kids or toddlers t-shirt from the YLP Collection for all the young cubs out there. And don't forget any of the other items from the Kings of the Rings, Fretzelmania, and the original Wrestle Addict Radio Collections as well. So whether you're looking for a coffee mug for that fresh cup of joe, a tank top to show off the guns at the gym, or a comfy pair of socks or leggings, we've got you covered from top to bottom with our Wrestle Addict Radio Teespring stores. Go to teespring.com, search for WrestleAddict Radio, and fill up your wardrobe today. What's up, everybody? This is Will Tarashuk, T's and Thomas, A R A S H U K. But you already knew that because this is the one of the hosts of the Kings of the Rings podcast. And guys, we are releasing new content every single Thursday on Wrestle Addict Radio. We cover it all from WWE to NXT to AEW and beyond. So join us every week, Kings of the Rings podcast. We'll love to have you, and you won't regret it. Deuces. What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight, Vance Chapel from The Delight Show, and you're listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. All right, guys, welcome back to the Game Changer Podcast, a part of Wrestle Addict Radio. I am Nate the and Great. Mr. Fretz will indeed be back on the show next week as we go through a spectacular-themed month in the Game Changer era. Now, I actually do want to make note of this because uh, this is going to be kind of interesting. Uh, I will actually be appearing on a podcast in the near future, uh, the Apron Bump Podcast. They actually just talked about this a little bit later on. I'll actually be guest starring on there as they will be reviewing TNA Final Resolutions 2005. It's going to be quite interesting because me and the host, at least from what we've been, what I've been told, we have around the same kind of idea as far as you know experience for the uh, world of TNA. We started at around the same time, so it's going to be kind of interesting to see what it does. So definitely tune into that. I will definitely 
be letting people know when that will be happening. If you want to check out their podcast in the meantime, it's going to be at Apron Bump on the Twitter. They also have so many other links on their site, which is actually uh, Linktree, which is linktr.ee slash Apron Bump, which gives you guys an idea as to what and where you can listen to them, which brings me to the fact that we, I am again very proud to say that we are part of Amazon Music. Yep, you can listen to us on the Amazon on so many great places like that, as well as on Spotify, iTunes, and so many more places. Basically, anywhere you can find a podcast, just look up Wrestle Attic Radio, and you will definitely find us whether it be myself from the Game Changer Podcast with Mr. Fretz, as well as Kings of the Rings, Young Lions Perspective, and The Delight Show. Definitely check us out on so many other deals. Now, with that being said, I think that it's only fair that I talk about a couple things that will be happening in the future. Well, actually, one major thing that will be happening in the future will be the ACW Anniversary Show, which will take place in December and I thought it might be kind of cool to just talk about some of the things that are going to be taking place uh, as this episode will be released. The thing about it is that we will be, the show will already be done for the final build to the anniversary show. So much stuff that's going to be happening there, including having Joey Avalon versus Drake Daniels. We're also going to have uh, Nick Colucci versus Shane Hill. And the contract signing with Logan Lynch and Adam Grace with just that and so much more, guys. There's so much to talk about when it comes to that show. I'll maybe get a chance to talk about that next week on the show. But I thought it might be kind of cool to give you guys a little bit of a preview of what I think should happen at the anniversary show. This is kind of a bit of fantasy booking as well as predicting as to what we could see at that show. So let's just kind of... Let's do a little bit of fantasy booking here and talk about five things I would like to see at the next ACW anniversary show. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about is the big thing, the big kahuna when it comes to their show is that every year they have the anniversary show, they have this match which features an all-star trophy. Now for those of you that don't know what that is, that trophy is basically their version of the money in the bank in which that they can cash in at any time, anywhere, for any title, which is either the ACW Heavyweight title, the ACW Tag Team titles, or the ACW Water City Championship. So in the past, we've seen people like uh, Jordy Lee, the uh, porn stash Peter Schwanz, as well as Seth Gambino and Coda Jacobs. They have cashed in on that opportunity, some have succeeded, others have failed, but we're going to see who could possibly be joining that long list of people, and what we could see going into the, basically going into possibly the next year. So, I actually do have five people that I would like to predict are going to win this All-Star Trophy matchup in December. So, Number five here is going to be a bit of an unlikely one, but it could actually be an interesting concept. That being, all class, 
Steve Sawyer. This is a guy who I have actually looked at and really been impressed with how he's been developing this new class of wrestling for himself. He definitely does give you the vibe of the Arn Andersons, the Tully Blanchards, just that classic vibe. Him and Shane Hill have been a very great tag team. It would be kind of cool to have him as the trophy winner and then maybe somebody in the faction that him and Shane Hill are a part of, which features Backwoods Brown as well as Swoggle, holding maybe the Water City Championship. Just having that teasing moment where Steve Sawyer could be teasing the idea of possibly cashing in. It's something that could be really good to plant that seed there. Now, keeping that in mind, it goes into my number four prediction of who could probably win it, that being Nick Colucci. And it kind of does, again, go into that mindset of if Colucci has this, he could challenge the heavyweight champion or the Water City champion. And with that being said, the crazy thing that could happen with that is it could have uh, Swaggle or Backwoods Brown holding the Water City title, and then Colucci wins the championship from it. It would really build into something a bit more interesting, to say the least. Number three, I would actually have Backwoods Brown win this one, because he is a guy who has been an absolutely gargantuan mammoth of a man. He is literally a tree trunk, is what I could describe him as in the best possible way. This is a guy who is definitely a huge star, no pun intended. He is going to be one of those guys that you just look at and think, he's going to be he's going to be the next big thing. He could very well be the next you know, heavyweight champion. He could be the next water seed champion. He could utilize this and be that guy who just walks around the ring with that trophy, being like a shark circling its prey, thinking, I could attack now but I'm not going to. That's just me. At number two, I have quite possibly one of the fastest rising stars as far as popularity-wise goes, that being XTC picking up the victory here. This guy has yet to really pick up the victory in ACW, at least from my knowledge. That could have changed at the last event. That would have been really cool if he did, but it could be really good and beneficial to him to have the victory for him here because the fact that he is such a fast rising star I can definitely see him being a credible threat when it comes to the heavyweight title as well as the water city title but he could also be a pairing with somebody like TW3 and create a really great tag team uh, tandem between the two of them but XTC is definitely one of those guys that I see being a future champion Sooner rather than later. And number one for me, guys, who I would have win the All-Star Trophy for 2020 would be Bulletproof Ben McCoy. Now, before he had an injury last year, Ben McCoy was one of those guys in ACW who was very much a hated villain. In all honesty, compared to Logan Lynch, he was probably number two. So... Having him have that trophy and coming back, being the guy who just wrecks everybody, locks everybody in the sharpshooter, he's just one of those guys who just, I really think, would be very good to have that trophy. And he would bring a lot of prestige to it. This is a guy who literally lays it all on the line. He definitely 
would create for an absolutely amazing, amazing heel, whether it's a champion or having that trophy. And I'll tell you this, he actually does kind of bring in a little bit more spice into the deal, especially when I go into some of my other picks here. So, that is actually my entire number five. Now we go into the number four spot, which involves the tag team titles, that being the deal between the Players Club and the Curse. Now, last time these guys battled against each other was at Tanner's, and it ended in a DQ victory for the Players Club. Now, in all honesty, I do see the Players Club picking up a victory over the Curse come uh, the anniversary show, and in the end, I do think the Curse are going to win the tag team titles, just not at the anniversary show. I see them picking up a victory over the club at Water City Wrestling Con 2021. I think that there's going to have to be some kind of deal where the Players Club picks up a victory in a no-disqualification deal. Maybe it's a ladder match, maybe a street fight. It's going to be interesting to see what they do, but I think that there's so much that they could build off of this. And I do think that the Curse are going to be a very credible threat going into the year of 2021. And they have to have an impressive showing here at the anniversary show to really build that up. Go into number three, which is going to be the talk about the Water City Championship. Now, as far as I know right now, the champion is still Salem Crane, who won it off of Joey Avalon. Here's the proposal I kind of have for this, and this is something I would really love to see, because this is something I've been proposing for a while, but I really think that it would be kind of cool to see this. So, one of my friends, Skylar Evans, is a very talented individual, and I mean not just as a wrestler, but also as a character. He's a guy who just absolutely creates memorable moments, and I do believe that having him face off against Salem Crane at the anniversary show would be an absolutely fantastic showcase for him. In the end, though, Salem Crane would pick up the victory, and we could maybe see him, uh, being Skylar Evans, have a little bit of like a gear turning in there, where he slowly starts losing a little bit of reality, which would introduce one of his other characters, Skits. Now, this would be one of those individuals that would just be absolutely psychotic, manipulative. He would just, it would be a character that would be absolutely on par with Salem Crane. I really would love to see this matchup between Salem Crane and Skits. Now, would that happen at the anniversary show? I think that would be too soon to do it. I think you have time to build it up and basically have Skyler saying, like, I know I can beat I know I can beat you. And Sailor Crane is just like, yeah, whatever you say, boy, back of the line. And Skyler just keeps trying, he keeps trying. In the end, he realizes he has to literally just change the complexion of his moveset as well as his character and just create something that is going to be on par with the psychoticness of Salem Crane. That's when you throw in skits. And I think that would be a great matchup to have between the two of them at Water City Wrestling Con 2021. It would just be great. It all starts with one matchup between Salem Crane and Skylar Evans at the anniversary show. 
You plant the little seeds here, it's going to build into something better going into 2021. Going into number two, I would actually have them further the story between Nick Colucci as well as Swoggle. Now, as it stands right now, Swoggle and Colucci have been battling each other ever since last year, in all honesty, at the Night of Legends, where Colucci lost the heavyweight championship shot that he gained because of Swoggle. Swoggle cost him the matchup, and Logan Lynch picked up the victory. In all honesty, there has to be a way to just... There has to be some finish to this. Now, whether it's going to happen at the anniversary show or whether it's going to happen at the at Water City Wrestling Con 2021, I don't know. Either way, there has to be a continuation at the Friday, at the Friday show. excuse me, And there has to be some kind of deal where the two of them just, they fi- they finally have the blow-off between the two. Because right now, there has not been a blow-off between the two of them. I thought we were going to get that about a couple months ago. Unfortunately, we did not get that. We got Kalucci getting beaten down. Swango's just going to keep beating down his former best friend and just keep doing that until he sees fit. I think there has to be a huge matchup, whether it's a last-man-standing matchup, Maybe an I quit match. Maybe a uh, loser leaves AC Dub. No, no, that's that's too much. Um, just a big time stipulation matchup. Sure that maybe they'll even have a cage matchup between two of them. It's it's possible, but something has to give, and they have to either find a way to continue furthering the storyline between Kaluchi and Swoggle, or they have to end it very soon. Because there's only so much steam that you can have in this matchup. And then at number one, what is the fate of the heavyweight title when we have Adam Grace versus Logan Lynch at the anniversary show? So I truly do believe that Adam Grace is going to pick up the victory and he's going to win the title at the anniversary show. Logan Lynch has held that championship for a little over a year. He has done everything that he could in ACW. To be honest, maybe he's going to get bumped down to the Water City title. Excuse me? Or, perhaps he is going to stick with just one promotion. Who knows at this point? It's one of those things where Logan Lynch has done so much as the champion, but I don't believe that it's going to be the last time we see him as ACW heavyweight champion. I truly think that he's going to be holding another reign as that champion, but I think it's due time to give that title to another competitor. And Adam Grace has definitely been one of those guys that I have just been absolutely amazed with. He's done a fantastic job of creating this story where he has just defied so many odds to get to that victory. And he is going to be absolutely just... It's going to be one of those matches that you definitely... Excuse me. Definitely do not want to miss. Now... Here's where it's going to get a little interesting. If this does happen, and if one of my previous fantasy bookings happens, 
then Adam Grace will be the heavyweight champion. But in the end, Ben McCoy comes out, assaults Adam Grace, cashes in the All-Star Trophy, picks up the victory, and wins the heavyweight title after Adam Grace passes out to, I'm going to call it this, the bulletproof sharpshooter. Just, I really think that's what it should be called. And having that story between Adam Grace and Ben McCoy, who were former tag team partners, would really create something special between the two of them. And I think it would bring more prestige again to that championship because now you have another rivalry between the two of them. And people are going to really love seeing Adam Grace go for the hunt again. And between you know Adam Grace and Ben McCoy, they would put on some absolutely fantastic, fantastic matchups. So that's what I think I would like to see in... Oh, man. Yeah, I'm getting really tired now. Uh, in ACW, hopefully by the anniversary show and going beyond. Um, I think I want to kind of end the show by talking about a couple of things here that are obviously going to... that have been a part of wrestling nowadays. Kind of get into a little bit more discussion about that. Just going to spend just a couple... just like a few minutes on that and give my thoughts as well as my opinions on these deals. So let's discuss a couple of these interesting deals here. So I guess one of the main ones is do wrestling fans make the wrestling events? And the thing is, it's double edged question here and it's a double edged answer because I'm going to definitely say yes and no see the wrestlers do make the matches absolutely fantastic and I will also say this that the crowds definitely do make the you know matches either more entertaining it definitely kind of gives you that feel for how you should feel in the emotional aspect of it but I've definitely been one of those people that has trained myself in all honesty to just enjoy the wrestling. I mean, I'm going to a lot of the live indie shows and I will definitely be one of those people that's, you know, cheering and chanting and such like that. But I'm also one of those people that will watch wrestling at home and I really focus more on the wrestling itself, more on the crowds. Sure, like every now and then you'll see you know, you'll hear this crowd reaction, or you'll hear this crowd chant going off. So, they do matter, but at the same time, in my opinion, I think that they're not going to be, like, the main focal point for wrestling matches. I will say this, that the whole deal with the Thunderdome, where they have been basically instructed to, you know, cheer at certain times, boo at certain times, I, I just don't like that. It just... It's one of those things where it just makes the the feel of being in the crowd that much more fake. I know I usually don't like to use the phrase, you know, fake and wrestling, but if you're not letting people be genuine, then you're not really letting people actually have fun with wrestling. It's just one of those things where it's just like, you know, 
you know, yeah, you get to be a part of our deal, but you have to do what we say. It's like you're not even paying us to do that. If you want people to, you know, act a certain way, then hire an actor. Don't just be that person that is just going to be a yes man and just be like, oh, I'll react this certain way. No, I don't want this way. Just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Bottom line, I don't like the Thunderdome. That's for that. But I really do believe that it's a 50-50 deal on here, that the wrestling makes wrestling work, and the crowd reactions do make the crowd reactions work. So, another thing is that with everything that's going on with, you know, with COVID, I am not one of those people that are going to say that, you know, it's... It is a true pandemic, but it is one of those things that it should not be taken lightly. And the fact that there have been companies and promotions that have been taking it lightly are definitely not going to be seen in so many good graces. I'm going to definitely state this. There have been a lot of rumors that WWE was not exactly the most trustworthy when it came to testing people, when it came to getting making sure that you know anybody who had COVID was you know, quarantine, such like that. It's one of those things where <sighs> WWE has just had a really shady past and they've had a really shady way to handle business. And I do say that with the utmost confidence. Because the fact of the matter is that <sighs> WWE is trying to, you know, find best ways to make a lot of money. And it does mean that they are going to cut costs, which obviously, you know, from what I've heard, they don't have medical plan. They don't have, like, you know, health care. They don't provide dental. doesn't seem like they would provide a 401k. They're just literally, quote-unquote, independent contractors that are there to do one thing, and that is to work and make money. And that's about it. So, in my honest opinion, if I was working in that... Pro- that kind of deal, I would make sure that I would have the best health care provided to me. Now, if it's not, you know, company-based, then I would definitely go into, you know, other networks of that. And if they have a problem with that, that's that's not my problem. I care about my health a little bit more than wrestling because I want to be around long enough to wrestle, you know, for as long as I can. So... WWE definitely needs to start getting their act together, which does bring me to the next point, is the storylines that so many people have been shown or they have just been absolutely... It's just mind-boggling to see some of these stories in WWE. Uh, there's some stories that I, I quite enjoyed. The whole deal between Otis and Mandy, that was a very generic, but also at the same time seemed like a very honest story between the two of them. The whole thing with Alexa Bliss and The Fiend, that is something that is, you know, it's fictional, but at the same time, it's one of those things that keeps you invested, because you want to see what happens next. You want to see what goes down with this deal, because you want to see what, you know, little demon girl's going to do. The whole thing with Raw Underground... It's just basically like a Fight Club deal. I'm sure that they have some things that are fixed, some things that are scripted, but it's one of those things where if they're not too careful, then they're going to end up hurting somebody really badly. I truly do believe that. 
Um, the status of their you know tag team division is dwindling down. Their singles titles are just they're not really being put on center stage like they really should be. I remember a time where like people were debating whether the U.S. title was more relevant or the Intercontinental title was more relevant. Same thing for the WWE title and the World Heavyweight title. Um, you don't really have that kind of argument anymore because it's just like, who cares anymore? Who cares about these championships anymore? Just, it sucks seeing that. Uh, now, there's a lot of people that are saying, like, well, you must be an AEW, Mark. I like AEW for different reasons than people might get. Because when I went to the AEW events, mainly like meet and greets, uh, the Q&A with Cody, which I've documented so many times, um, that is something that I really enjoyed. Because the fact of the matter was that it felt like I was a part of something special. I was a part of something different. Because a lot of the stars that I met there were incredible individuals. And they were just absolutely great to work with. They were nice. I often bring this example up. Leva Bates, the librarian, she is one of those people that has probably one of the sweetest and greatest personalities that I have ever encountered. She's just an absolute bundle of joy. She's great to talk to. She is one of those people that is just, it's fun because she's being herself. She's being genuine. It's just absolutely great seeing that. Uh, I would say Cody. Cody was another person who, you know, did he need to take time to talk to me? No, he definitely did not. But he still did because he showed case, he showed the fact that he cares about the fans. And those are the kind of wrestlers that I always love talking to. So that's the reason why I like AEWs because it definitely does seem like the AEW stars, they care about their fans. They do care about, you know, talking to them, to interacting with them. I know that there's some people that would say, like, well, that's not fair to others if you get a longer time. To Granted, that's, that is fair. But you just have to bide your time with it. You have to be smart with your time. Don't just go on long rants about these kind of deals that are going on in wrestling. If you talk to somebody about you know gaming or something that's outside of wrestling, they're going to interact with you well. They're going to be like, oh yeah, no, that's really, you're cool. Like Leva Bates, I guarantee you, if you talk about some kind of video game that she absolutely loves, or oh my gosh, uh, I think I think she was mentioned that she's got this obsession with Skittles. Just, you know, mentioning that, she, I'm sure she's going to like that more than, you know, talking about what match she wrestled in 2013 as Blue Pants. Just an example, I'm sure. But that's more the reason why I like AEW is because, you know, wrestlers definitely do care about, you know, talking to the fans. They definitely care about the interactions. I've not had any issues with any... AEW stars. I don't even think I've been blocked by anybody in AEW. I've been blocked by more WWE people than in AEW. Thank you, Kevin Owens, by the way. So, that is kind of where my stance is on that and why I prefer AEW over WWE. And I kind of also like AEW's style in certain ways. Do I think that they could probably wear off a couple of things? Yes. I think that they need to definitely establish better finishers as well as 
Um, maybe certain storylines that don't really need to happen, as well as maybe just maybe less tag team matches. Let's face it. Yes, I understand that they have a great tag team division, but you also do have other stars that are really great as singles competitors. So we'll see how far that goes along. We'll see if there's anything more that we can do from that. I think other than that, yeah, I think I'm rested for the day. I think I'm pooped out for the day. So thank you guys so much for tuning into this edition of the Game Changer Podcast. I've been Nate the Effing Great. You can check me out on the Twitter at Real FN Game. You can check out my co-host, Mr. Freds, at the legendary JF. You can also check us out on our Wrestle Act Radio feed at Attic underscore Wrestle, which you can check out the Game Changer Podcast, Young Lions Perspective, the Kings of the Rings Podcast, as well as the Delight Show, airing every single week on every single podcasting platform. You can also check us out on our Teespring site to check out our merchandise. We also have a Patreon that you guys can check out exclusive content for just you fans. It's going to be an absolutely incredible October in honesty, guys. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of it. Uh, We've already got a couple things that have been uh, promoted for the... already for the new year. I mean, Brett and I are going to start working on getting that fantasy booking for the new Invasion storyline going, so definitely tune into that because it's going to be awesome. Other than that, uh, I mentioned the the Apron Bump podcast appearance that I will be having on, so definitely check out that. You can definitely check out so many of the other... uh, Sorry, I just want to... Yep, yep. Yep, the the Apron Bump podcast, like I said. Um... Gosh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I might have missed. I think that is going to do it. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'll see you guys next episode for next week. I'm looking forward to this weekend because I will finally have a day off. Actually, I'll have a couple of days off, so I'm going to be so thankful for that. So thank you guys so much for listening in. See you in the next episode. And just remember to stay safe, be smart, be positive. Keep wrestling real. Thank you so much, you guys. I'll see you next episode. Bye-bye. This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast. Elder abuse is the verbal, physical, emotional, sexual, or financial abuse of a senior citizen. If you feel that you're a victim of elder abuse or believe it's been inflicted upon someone you know, please call the Wisconsin Elder Abuse Hotline at 1-833-586-0107 or visit reportelderabusewi.org. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360-degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.